Well, welcome back. Now, a new study has indicated that the dependency grant for children with disabilities in South Africa is insufficient to meet the needs of these children and to ensure the social protections of their families. For families with minimal or no other income, the CDG cannot cover the additional costs of managing childhood disability, and even those who gain access are at risk of extreme poverty. This is according to Dr. Zara Trafford from the Institute of Life Course Health Research at the Department of Global Health at Stellenbosch University. And she recently received her PhD in psychology at the university, and we are talking to her this afternoon. Dr. Trafford, good afternoon, and welcome to Radio Islam International. Hi there. Thanks for having me today. It's a pleasure. This is such an important um, topic to be talking about, particularly here in South Africa, where we know many people obviously live below the breadline. What was the main aim and purpose of the study and can you maybe give us some background on how you conducted it uh sure i'm um, sorry i didn't uh, get given your name before we came on to air and i just wanted to hear uh, that so i can address you properly it's anisa anisa hi anisa, hi hi thank you, thank you. <laughs> you're welcome um, Great, thank you for uh, uh, those questions. Just to um, briefly clarify, the the name of the grant is actually the Care Dependency Grant um, uh, rather than the Dependency Grant. And I clarify Mm -hmm. that just because the the regulations around the grant are related to the care needs of the child in question. Okay. Just to clarify that. So the aim of my study really was to speak to a whole bunch of different stakeholders, different groups of people around the central focus of the care dependency grant. So that included uh, parents or other primary caregivers. It turned out that it ended up being only mothers that I spoke with. Um, Also SASA officials, so people at the Social Security Agency who distribute and administer the grant, as well as um, National Department of Social Development officials and uh, doctors who conduct assessments for these grants. Um, So kind of speaking to a wide range of people around the central focus who have different perspectives on that grant. Um, And part of the reason for doing this is because, as you rightly pointed out, in our country we have um, a large percentage of the population living below the poverty line and um, disability and poverty have a cyclical relationship with one another, which means that poverty can result in disability it can um, make it more likely that you acquire Mm. a disability either uh, before birth or or, um, during the circumstances of your birth or once you are born Um, and similarly uh, disability can result in poverty because if you don't have the right um, services and care um, in place to support you uh, your disability can um, have a heavier burden on 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 you and on um certainly on the income of the of the household that you're living within mm-hmm. all right yeah. so the highlights regarding the care dependency grant for disabled children what as you found in your study basically what were your main findings Sure. Um, so I'm an anthropologist by training and asking an anthropologist to be quick about anything is, is difficult <laughs> um, and to be concise about anything is difficult. Uh, but just to give you some of the some of the, the, the findings that maybe um, are more obvious and then some that were less obvious. So some of the findings that are more obvious are that like most of the other grants in our country, the care dependency grant is often kind of absorbed into the whole household income um, with our very high rates of unemployment in the country 
or at least uh, precarious employment in the country, many people are relying on, on this and other grants to support um, a, a larger household of people, people beyond um, the the person for whom the grant was um, awarded. And mm-hmm. so that's true for all of our grants in the country, really, the, the sort of any qualitative yes. research into the, any of these grants finds that that's the case. Um, uh, another important finding is that families who did manage to gain access to the grant were incredibly grateful for the support that it did provide for their families. It was really, really crucial and critical for them in gaining access to, for example, um, you know, uh, spaces, uh, educational spaces that their children yes. might need to to access um, that are more specialized or to, for example, children's hospitals to gain um access to health workers or allied health workers like occupational therapists to support their therapeutic needs. Um, and so these these things are kind of um, quite, I, I would say, they're quite instinctive. Um, less commonly known, I think, is that, um, that there are there seem to be many more inclusion uh, sorry exclusion errors when it comes to the care dependency grant than there are for some other types of grants with um, assessments associated with their access so uh, while uh, a lot of the concern in 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 kind of government discourses so that say uh, sort of sasa people for example or people in in the department of social social development um, might be concerned about inclusion errors, which is as we all should, which is when people who who uh, don't qualify for a grant gain access to that grant. Um, obviously, we want to make sure that people who need the grant are getting access to the grant. However, yes. it seems that less than about 16% of the likely eligible children in the country who should be get, who should be uh, eligible for this grant um, are not gaining access access to this grant. So it's really really undersubscribed. Um, especially when compared to, say, the child support grant, for which there are 13 million beneficiaries, or the adult disability grant, for which there are more than a million uh, beneficiaries, while the, the care dependency grant has only around 161,000 beneficiaries. Wow. In the so what are the reasons that... Uh, is government failing families when it comes to the grant, uh, you know, for, for these children and, and others? Or what exactly would be the reason behind that? So, you know, part of what I tried to uh, explore in my in my thesis and the work that came out of my PhD was was exactly this question you've asked. Why is it that this, this grant is sort of less, seems to be less well-known, it seems to be um, really quite undersubscribed in comparison, as I say, to the other grant categories? And part of the difficulty may be that government is not communicating very widely um, with, with potentially eligible families. Um, you know, there's always that, that aspect to look at. Um, and part of the reason for that might be that, that disability grants in this country specifically um, have a big history um, and there's a lot of kind of public concern around people gaining access to that grant when they shouldn't. So I think any any messaging from government to say kind of, you know, more people should be accessing this particular grant category, um, this disability grant category, is unlikely to be especially popular. So I, I, I think, you know, it, it's definitely feasible that part of the story is that um, government's not communicating 
communicating enough with people who should be gaining access to this grant. But another part of the problem is that even the people who are doing assessments with grants or administering, administering the grant don't necessarily have a consistent idea across the country or even from local office to local office of what the threshold for inclusion and exclusion for this grant is. Mm-hmm. And part of the difficulty there is that childhood disability has been conceived differently. In fact, disability as a whole has been conceived differently. And so we have a, a, a more medical model, which is the one that most of us are familiar with, which is sort of yes. that, that a disability means a, a, an individual impairment, a, a sort of pathology with one's body or mind. Um, but uh, the, the much more contemporary definition of disability really is that it's a combination, it's an interaction between a person's impairments and the environment around them. Which mm-hmm. means that if you have enough uh, sort of financial support, sure, but also services support, you are you are actually fundamentally going to be less disabled by your environment. So things like economic stability can help a huge amount with the with the impact of that impairment on a person. And that's really how our our government has committed to seeing disability is from this kind of socioeconomic and relational perspective as well that says it's more than just. A, a, a medical diagnosed condition in the individual it's also about their circumstances and that's really what our poverty grants do as well our poverty alleviation grants do as well they say you know under the circumstances that many people are living in we are trying to provide some social support sorry socially funded uh, publicly funded support to make sure that everyone is is at least gaining access to a little bit of income every month and so if we want to make sure that we are consistent we really should be doing that with disability as well, but it mm. is our, uh, a much harder task. It's a much harder yeah. task. So there's lots of different reasons, I think. Yeah, definitely. So when we look at this grant, is it covering or coming close to covering the additional costs of actually managing a childhood disability, especially when it comes to ensuring social protection for poor families? Mm. So again, um, you know. <sighs> It's very, very difficult to say what it costs to raise a child with a disability because the concept of disability is broad, right? So yes. um, it, may, it may be cerebral palsy, for example, uh, in which case the child in question may need a wheelchair but may be able to, say, um, go to a, a mainstream school in terms of intellectual capacities. Um, but uh, another child with a developmental delay may have no physical disability, so they may not need an assistive device, but they may then need a different type of schooling um, so that they, so that uh, that educational space is more inclusive to them, to their needs, to their capabilities. And so when you say, what does it cost to raise a child with disability? It's difficult to put a figure on that because it varies. But what you can say without much uh, shadow of a doubt is that it is more expensive than raising a child without a disability because generally the things in question that one needs to support that child will cost money. So whether that's specialized food or whether it's... um, nappies into an older age than 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 we normally might expect for for or typically might expect for for an infant you know all of these things cost money and they cost a lot of money and so those costs alone are quite expensive or very expensive in in Mm. many instances Mm. um and then on top of that you know as i said before the fact that many of the families in question who are receiving this are are getting very little other income in some cases the child may need full-time care and because we don't have publicly funded respite care where somebody can for example take their child to a creche where where maybe the people there know how to provide the child with the care that they need 
And so parents don't necessarily feel comfortable um, taking their children to facilities and so for to, to, to educational facilities. And so that might mean that the mother leaves her job in order to provide care to the child. So there's kind of yes. these direct costs, as we call them, and then indirect mm-hmm. costs, like the latter, where you maybe lose um, an income uh, because most work environments in our context are, are not going to necessarily give you enough leave to make sure you can take your child to their health appointments, etc. So there's, there's, uh, it's difficult to put a number on exactly what it costs. What we can say, you know, <laughs> fairly convincingly, is that two thousand rand, which is the current value of the grant, um, can't um, can't cover all of those costs. Absolutely. So, yeah. So what conclusions can we draw from the study, such as the different interpretations and confusions? You've mentioned a few, I think, regarding the Social Assistance Act and how it can be dealt with. I mean, there must be something um, that can be done to better the the uh, uh, care dependency grant and the way sure. it's actually you know, put out there for people. Sure. So, you know... Some of it, um, as you sort of um, pointed to earlier in our conversation, you know, that we, we can advise that, for example, government does a better job of disseminating information about this, sharing information with this, about this, in um, particularly in, in sort of, for example, rural communities where people are maybe not as commonly um, sort of connecting with the government, uh, with government and um, sort of facilities or in. Um, uh, in sort of environments where they might mm. see posters, for example, or might be re- referred by a health worker, for, as another example. So, of course, you know, improving government communication, but also I think um, part of the conclusion for me in, in my work was that more of us in, in the academic space need to be paying attention to this because there's a huge um, literature on the disability grant, the adult disability grant, and on the child support grant, but very little on this particular grant. And the reason we need to pay more attention is so that we can pick up more of these difficulties that I've mentioned before and so that we can start drilling down into what they what they mean and how we might be able to address them. And then, of course, um, working with frontline, for me, a big thing is working with frontline SASA administrators. It seemed as though many people were being turned away um, at their first um, kind of point of contact with a SASA yes. official at one of these local offices, um, for example. And um, some of that is being done on the basis of kind of quite widespread misconceptions about what disability looks like. Um, we can't always see disability and particularly mm. people who are not um, trained or who haven't had much contact um, with varied forms of disability certainly aren't going to necessarily be able to um, assess that uh, just, just on a first glance. And so rather than approach that for me it's quite important to to see those SASA officials as people and to acknowledge that they're also working in a very disempowered environment with a lot of people coming every day who are in a lot of need and they get a lot of the the sort of brunt they bear a lot of the brunt of of a of a malfunctioning um, public service system and so I really do think that we need to speak to to treat those people with a lot of kindness and approach them in a way that actually helps them to understand that the service they're performing is 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 life saving it's as critical as health workers and social workers actually they, they're connecting people with a with a critical source of income for their well being and I think they need to be brought into that fold rather than made to feel like they're doing yet another thing wrong you know I think. The, Yes. civil servants get a lot of that in our country um, and so I think that they need to be brought into the fold and encouraged to to see that disability looks different in its different manifestations and to maybe try and implement more of our kind of you know more of our 
um, every person's a person and they they deserve your attention and your and your care in that moment so yeah absolutely well thank you so much for your time um uh, do appreciate it and you've given us quite a bit to digest and think about so um we do appreciate that as well keep our brains functioning especially when it comes to this kind of thing that we don't usually give thought to and you have made us realize that people are unaware i think and sometimes maybe they need to um you know uh, get down there and speak to people and and even look at how we can make things better from from a citizen's point of view so a little bit of uh, uh active citizenry required as well so thank you for your time this afternoon much appreciated absolutely thank you anisa thanks for the you're welcome you're welcome cool. bye-bye keep well bye you too. And that was Dr. Zara Trafford uh, from the University of Stellenbosch Department of Global Health talking to us about her study that highlighted the inadequacies of the care dependency grant for disabled children.